You are listening to the audiobook of Manimals by Mel Brooks Crow. This is episode one, part three. Ava January fades away and Mayaka is left sitting alone by the tree. Wide shot. Mayaka crossing a park bridge. Exterior. Central Park, Bow Bridge, early morning. It's been raining all morning, so it's cloudy and gloomy, just like Mayaka's mood. He is crossing the bridge slowly, staring at the ground. His flat feet slash hands are tucked deeply into his pockets. Mayaka stops at the top of the bridge and looks out over the lake. There are a few people in the park, but it's mostly empty and very quiet. He watches a jogger running along a path. He notices a young woman walking her little white dog, a couple riding bikes, the ducks swimming, etc. Mayaka doesn't notice the four members of the SAM. Society Against Manimals. Approaching him on the bridge, two on either side. They are wearing dark blue sweatshirts with hoods pulled up and red face masks covering their face below the eyes. Two of the men stab him with tasers in his neck. He screams in pain as he hears the zapping sound and smells his own burning flesh. He slumps, completely dazed and out of strength, onto the railing on the side of the bridge, where he teeters precariously. One of the men pulls back one of Mayaka's big, floppy ears and leans in close. Sam member. Whispering to Mayaka. You don't belong here. This is our city, and we don't want you here. Go back to Africa where you came from. The four men, working together, grab Mayaka's legs and, in one quick movement, tip him over the edge of the bridge. He falls down into the water of the lake below, making a large splash. The cold water snaps him back into reality. He comes to his senses as he begins to sink. Mayaka swims upward, trunk raised until it breaks the surface of the water. He takes in a deep breath. Remaining underwater and using his trunk as a snorkel, he works his way to the shore. He walks out of the water onto the grassy shore and collapses, breathing heavily. An older couple passing by is watching in astonishment, wondering what to do. They scurry on, trying to avoid the situation. Mayaka sits up, shakes the water off, and catches his breath. His hat is floating about six feet from the shore. He stands and wades out into the lake, reaching for his hat with his trunk. His feet slip just as he grabs the hat, and he goes down again with a splash. Close up, wet hat as it is wrung out by Mayaka's trunk. Pull back to see Mayaka slap the soaked hat back on his head. Water runs down his face and into his eyes. He stands, drenched and shivering with the cold. Mayaka reaches up to the back of his neck and feels the taser burn marks. He winces as he touches them. He pulls his satellite phone out of his pocket and is relieved to see that it is still working. Flashback. Aerial shot of African safari. Occasional groves of trees. Mountains in the far distance. Flocks of birds fly by. The buzzing sounds of insects can be heard. It looks hot and dry. Tilt down to a small house sitting in the middle of nowhere on a plantation of about five acres. Interior. Donica's house. Evening. Close up of Donica handing a fancy looking smartphone to Mayaka. It looks very expensive and modern. Mayaka's trunk takes it slowly, as if he is afraid he will damage the device. Donica. As far as supplies, I can only give you so much. This is the highest quality satellite phone on the market. You can use it literally anywhere in the world. It's a requirement to have one when you live miles from civilization. This phone will be your access to the world. For the next couple days, I will be showing you what you can do with this phone and how to use it. Mayaka takes it and looks at it carefully with big eyes, as if it's the coolest thing he's ever seen. He messes with the touchscreen. I've also purchased the best service plan and warranty available for it. I will cover the monthly bill for you. Take care of it. 
don't break it, and don't lose it. It's fully waterproof, and it has the strongest shock-resistant protective case I could find. It can take a heck of a beating, but if this phone is ever damaged, lost, stolen, or ruined in any way, it's completely covered by warranty. Donica pulls a card out of his pocket and shows it to Mayaka. If you ever lose this phone, call this number and give them my name and this reference number. They will send you a new phone overnight to any address you provide and will deactivate the damaged or lost phone so that nobody can use it. But keep in mind, it costs me $300 every time to get a new one. All its contents, settings, photos, videos, documents, and contacts are always backed up to a server cloud, so it can be applied to any new phone without losing any information. I put a lot of books on the phone that I feel are very important. Have them all read before you reach America, okay? Shaking card. This phone will be your most valuable tool. Memorize this number in case you lose this card. Understand? Mayaka looks from the phone to Donica and nods in understanding. You will need this phone every single day, not to mention you can call, text, or email me at any time. Mayaka gives a thankful smile and wraps his trunk around Danaka's neck, pulling him close. Their foreheads touch and they lock eyes. Mayaka takes his friend into an embrace. And flashback. Exterior. City park. Day. Close up on phone as it powers to life. Mayaka wipes the mud and water off the screen. He sighs with relief and tucks it into the wet pocket of his coat. He works his way to the park's path, sloshing and leaving a wet trail behind him. Exterior. Department store. Day. Wide shot. Department store. People are coming and going through the sliding glass doors at the front of the department store. There is trash and litter everywhere. The store is slightly run down and could use some repairs. Customers with carts full of products are walking to their cars. A couple rough-looking teenage kids are smoking, looking over their shoulders and cautiously trying to look discreet. An old woman walks down the street slowly. A mother with a cart full of crying and screaming kids passes. Cars come and go in the parking lot. Mayaka walks toward the front doors. Interior. Department store. Mayaka enters a department store and walks to the back, where there is a photo center. Calvin, 23 male, is working behind the desk and notices Mayaka. He is wearing jeans and a white t-shirt with a Roy Lichtenstein pop art image on the front. Calvin. With a slight stutter. I know why you're here, man. And my boss says he can't help you. Mayaka. What? Come on, Calvin. I'm out of options here. I'm s s sorry, man. We have been slow. Everybody is going digital now. Nobody wants to develop prints anymore. They just throw them on a thumb drive. If they want prints, they order them online. With that, in a few months, even I may be out of a j j j j job. There's talk of shutting this boot down. I'll be out on the streets like you. Yeah, right. Employers pay manimals under the table with no taxes. With that, you're kind of taking all of our j j j j jobs. Yeah. That's why we are so liked here, right? I'm just s s s saying. Come on, man. There must be something you can do. I would if I could, man. Really. Besides, you don't want to work here. It's s s s s slow, boring. The pace sucks and the customers are moody. I shouldn't even have to put up with this place. I have an MFA in art history and I'm stuck here doing a j j j j job a zip-popping high school kid could do. The only plus is, I get to see some pretty impressive photos. In fact, check this out. Calvin flips through some photos and throws some on the counter of four men on a big, fancy sailboat holding up a giant sailfish. It takes all four of them to hold it up. Look at the size of that fish. Wouldn't it be awesome to s s s sail out to s s s 
See and catch a fish like that? Mayaka takes a good look at the photo and is actually surprised at the size of the fish. That is a big fish. Look at those guys, as happy as they are. That would be the life, wouldn't it? Staring at the photo. Look, Calvin, I gotta go. If I don't find a job by the end of today, I'm gonna be sleeping on the streets again. Tosses photos back on the counter. I'm sorry, man. I'd have you come stay at my place, but it's a tiny condo. With that, I don't even have room for myself. I know. Thanks. If you hear anything, let me know. If you don't find s s s something by tomorrow, come let me know. We'll find room for you at my place. Somewhere. Okay? Okay. Thanks. Turns to leave. Exterior. Alleyway evening. Mayaka settles down in an alley while it's raining. He has a cardboard box over his head and is soaking wet, cold, depressed and miserable. His satellite phone rings. It's the jackal. Interior. Studio apartment. Night. Hashim, a casual-looking, slightly mangy jackal, is chilling on a beanbag in a 500-square-foot studio apartment. The bed is simply a mattress in the corner of the room. There is a single pillow and blanket. The unmade bed and beanbag are the only pieces of furniture. There is a large window on the far wall, adjacent to the front door. There is also a small kitchen and bathroom in the back. But to an animal that has been living in the wild, it is heaven. Hashim is wearing a purple New York Crows basketball jersey and shorts and tennis shoes. He has a bag of potato chips on his lap, and he's munching away at them. He's chatting to Mayaka on his phone like a teenager. Hashim. Yo buddy, how are things going? I haven't seen you all week. Find a job and a place to live yet? Flashback. Photos are shown rapidly, two per second for five seconds, each transition coming with a camera shutter click sound. The photos reveal Hashim's backstory from the beginning of the mess and leading up to the present situation, giving us a glimpse of the story that will later be explained, without revealing any spoilers. Exterior. Alleyway. Evening. Mayaka. Oh, things are going fine, no job yet. But I found a swell place to stay for a little while. They treat me like royalty. I'm telling you, I have the possibility of working at a really nice hotel. It looks promising, but I haven't heard back yet. Intercut phone conversation. Oh yeah? I just found this nice little studio apartment on the east side. It's small, but hey, it's just me. Should be great. My own little pad. The city has all kinds of opportunities, huh? And I got a job driving a little pickup truck for a landscape company. Got a driver's permit today. Can you believe they let manimals drive? It's cool. I start my job tomorrow. I'm going to be planting trees at great big rich people's houses. Yeah, it's great here. Listen, buddy. If you don't find a place soon, you can come crash here with me. Got it? Thanks, pal. I'll be okay. It's just deciding on which one I want to settle with. That's all. So many options, you know? I hear you. Look, Mayaka, I want to thank you for letting me tag along and get to know you. I owe you big time. You're my best friend, you know? And if I can help you out, just let me know. I appreciate that, and I will, but I'll be fine. Okay, you have a good night's sleep, and let's hook up sometime tomorrow. I'll take you for a ride in my little truck. You'll love it, and you'll fit perfectly in the back. Yeah, call me tomorrow. Let's get together. Alright, bro. I'm out. Don't be a stranger. You're the only one I really know in New York. Let's check out the city together sometime. You got it. Have a good night. Sadly, Mayaka hangs up the satellite phone and hangs his head. 
He rolls over and tries to sleep as he shivers from the cold. Soon, his tears blend in with the rain hitting his face. He closes his eyes. Mayaka drifts off to sleep. Exterior. New York City Freeway. Night. Haisha. The city and freeway with an overpass where countless cars are driving in all directions. Pan right and slow zoom into the entrance of a tunnel with a road that leads under the freeway. Interior. Freeway tunnel. Detective Marshall, 40s male, parks his red Dodge Charger on the side of the highway. He exits his car and walks up to the abandoned cast iron grill that was left behind by the kidnappers. He looks around and kneels to look at the ground. He notices black flaky residue. He leans over and picks up a couple flakes. He pulls a tiny plastic bag out of his pocket and puts the residue into it. Then he pulls out a digital camera and starts to take photos of the grill, other flakes on the ground, the tire tracks, etc. Interior. Diner. A lion sits in a booth at a restaurant when the waitress approaches him. Waitress. What'll it be today? Lion. Give me a nice big juicy steak. Zebra, if you got it. The waitress jots it down and turns to walk away. The lion turns to look at the zebra sitting in another booth. Lion. Shrugging his shoulders. What? Mind your business and eat your salad. The lion turns to look at the diner's TV and catch the latest news. An attractive blonde woman, Lena Luna Khalifa, 40s, is reporting. What to do with the MES? That is the question. Citizen 1. Hey man, if they want to live among us, that's fine. They are more than mere animals. That is clear. I have a couple friends that are animals. They're okay with me. Citizen 2. I think it could open a whole new door of possibilities. I'm excited to see what changes they bring to the world. To us, the government, laws, taxes, rules, etc. Maybe everyone will lighten up a little bit and realize we all have the same problems. Citizen 3. As long as they don't give me any about occasionally eating a cheeseburger or a delicious steak, they can live among us no problem. I just get enough from the vegetarians and environmentalists. Citizen 4. We should slaughter them all and feed the hungry with them. Brains or no, they're still animals. And you can get a lot of meat off the rump of one of those perversions of nature. Should put a whole new twist on hunting season. This morning, I sat next to a mangy gazelle while riding the bus. It just ain't right, man. Interior. Crowded subway. Day. Mayaka is on the crowded subway. People are looking at him awkwardly. He turns around to grab onto something as he starts to lose his balance, and his right tusk jabs a rough-looking gentleman near his eye. The man scowls and shakes his clenched fist at the elephant. Seeing that it was clearly an accident, the big guy brushes it off. Mayaka turns his head and his tusk knocks the hat off of an older man. Politely, Mayaka bends over to pick up the hat. His tusk catches the skirt of an attractive young woman. When he goes to stand, his tusk hikes up the woman's skirt, revealing her underwear. The woman screams and slaps Mayaka. The train goes silent and everyone's eyes grow big, waiting to see what is going to happen next. The elephant awkwardly hands the hat to the old man. Old man. You've really gotta do something about those tusks, son, before somebody gets hurt. Interior. Subway stop. The train stops and people shuffle off. The woman turns her back to Mayaka, sticks her nose in the air, and exits the train. Interior. Security camera room. Night. Half a dozen cameras show different parts of the freeway tunnel. Manish, 40s male, a security guard, watches them closely. There is a knock at the door. Manish gets up and opens it. 
Marshall stands in the doorway, flashing his police badge. Manish stands aside and motions for Officer Marshall and Officer Dakota, 35, female, to enter. They inspect the many monitors. Marshall. Do you have any video feed of traffic going through Section 7A of the tunnels? Manish. No, sir. These guys knew exactly what they were doing. There are only two blind spots in the entire tunnel, and this is one of them. So somehow these guys must have known exactly where these spots were located. Who else works in this office? Just me. Oh, there is one other thing. I've been reviewing the tunnel footage since you indicated you wanted to come by and look at it. Dakota. What did you find? You said the suspects drove off in a black SUV. Here in the footage, we see a vehicle that matches the description. It even has the iron plate on the front end. Pointing to the screen. It enters one of these blind spots in Section 7A of the tunnel and disappears. Yes. We don't see it at any time after that. But here we see a yellow SUV exiting Section 7A of the tunnel exactly 48 seconds after the black one disappears. The security guard points at the yellow SUV, then loops the video so that it shows the yellow SUV leaving the tunnel over and over again. We have absolutely no footage of this yellow SUV entering the tunnel. Marshall and Dakota look at each other, nodding, and say in unison, The, the black, black residue. residue. Marshall looks back at the looping footage. Officer Dakota, do you think 48 seconds is enough time to wash out the black collar and drop the cast iron plate? Plenty. Freeze that. Manish freezes a frame that clearly shows the license plate number of the yellow SUV. Camera close-up of the plate. Officer Dakota, will you trace that plate number? I want to know who that vehicle belongs to. On it. Dakota pulls out her smartphone and speed dials a number. Marshall continues to stare at the freeze frame of the vehicle, his thoughts racing. Time lapse of the city going to sleep at night, which indicates the passing of time to the next day. Exterior. A rundown neighborhood under the overpass. Day. Mayaka walks through a neighborhood. It is filthy and there is trash everywhere in the streets. He watches a delivery driver unload some produce from the back of his truck onto a hand truck and wheel it into a market store. Mayaka walks up to the truck, looks around to see if anyone is watching, grabs a crate of tomatoes and ducks down an alleyway. He hides behind a dumpster and stares at the red tomatoes as if they are diamonds. He tosses a tomato in his mouth and chomps down on it. Juice runs down his chin and his eyes roll back as he savors the taste. It's as if it's the best thing he's ever eaten. He tosses four or five more tomatoes into his mouth and eats them as fast as he can. He stops and looks at the crate of tomatoes for a long moment, realizing what he has done. Mayaka watches for the delivery driver to take another load into the market, then he creeps up and places the crate of tomatoes into the back of the truck where he originally found it. He slips down the street, unnoticed. The delivery driver returns, finding the crate with several tomatoes missing. He looks around, confused, trying to figure out how they disappeared. A fancy sports car pulls up beside Mayaka as he walks. The window of the car rolls down to reveal two rich kids. Twenties. The kid in the passenger seat sticks a paintball gun out of the window, aims it right at Mayaka, and starts shooting. Mayaka holds up his arms to shield his face from the flying paintballs. They splat when they hit him, leaving ooky yellow paint splotches all over his coat. He winces slightly in pain.
Passenger kid. It's like we're hunting elephant today. <laughs> the kids break out laughing, and the car speeds off. The tires kick dirt and mud up into Mayaka's face. He stares at the car. The license plate on the car reads. 2. R. 1. C. H. 4. U. Too rich for you. Mayaka shakes off the mud as best he can and stares again at the pavement. His shoulders slump and he sighs aloud. He looks at pedestrians who clearly saw the whole incident and didn't even react. They just move on their way as if nothing happened at all. A Chinese man, Jian Song, 65, approaches Mayaka, who quickly and defensively turns toward the man, holding up his flat hands and making a fist with his trunk. Jian Song, broken English. Hey, whoa, no trouble, no trouble. Mayaka, what do you want, old man? How, how much for tusks? Excuse me? Tusks. Takes money out of his pocket. Ivory worth lots, you know, is illegal. But if elephant actually sell to me, is okay. You want my tusks? Nods. Give you $100 for each, yes? Mayaka looks at his tusks, thinking hard. He rubs one gently with his trunk. Mayaka has never, ever cut his tusks before. They have been growing since he was born. But he is hungry and completely out of money. He doesn't need his tusks now, they only get in the way and cause trouble. Flashback. Interior. Crowded subway. Old man. You've really got to do something about those tusks, son, before somebody gets hurt. End flashback. Exterior. A rundown neighborhood under the overpass. Mayaka. $150 for each one. Jianshong, nodding. Yes, $150 each. I have shop with Sa. Come, come, follow. Jianshong turns and begins walking away, motioning for Mayaka to follow him. Exterior. Machine shop behind small house. Close up of Jianshong pressing Mayaka's face down next to a miter saw. The blade starts spinning. Jianshong. Giggles. Now, no, move. I no want to take off something else. <laughs> Mayaka squeezes his eyes tight as the saw comes down and starts cutting into his right tusk, inches away from his face. Exterior. Front of house. Jianshong pays Mayaka $300. Mayaka turns and walks off. He doesn't make it very far when he notices a couple rough, dark men watching from a window of the house across the street. He tucks the bills into his coat pocket. Interior. Halbert's therapy room. Day. Mayaka. It was a very sad moment for me. Tusks, for us elephants, are a tribal sign. The size and perfect shape of the tusks are something to be proud of, to show off and exhibit. They show the maturity of elephants to others. They had grown ever since my birth. I was heartbroken when I gave them up. The depression and discouragement began to weigh upon me. Halbert, what did you do with the money? The money hadn't come in quite as useful as I had hoped. Exterior, a rundown neighborhood under the overpass. Mayaka turns to cross the tracks underneath the freeway overpass. A tough-looking street chick, Valencia, 30 female, steps out from behind a car with a baseball bat in her hand. 
She has a greasy mohawk and is wearing a dirty white tank top, faded in dirty jeans with torn holes in them, and big combat boots. Her arms are covered with tattoos. She is also wearing a belt that looks as if it's made out of bullets. Valencia. Hey big fella, you lost? Mayaka turns to walk to the left, away from the woman, when another guy, Dexter, 27 male, jumps out. This one is African American and is wearing leather pants, a leather vest, no shirt, and gloves and is holding a motorcycle chain. He's got a big, round afro with a red pick comb sticking out of it. Dexter. What's your hurry? Come on, stay a while. Mayaka turns to go back the way he came when he sees one more thug, Case, 19 male, coming up to him carrying a tire iron. Mayaka's attention darts from one creep to the other. Fear begins to grow inside him as the creeps close in around him. Valencia. We saw Chan Song give you some money. Since he's in debt to us, that money is ours. Mayaka tries to bolt, but every direction he turns, one of the creeps jumps in front of him. Case. You can either give up the money and we let you go, or we can beat you unconscious and take it. Mayaka kicks back with one hind leg, connecting with Case's chest and sending him flying up against a parked car. He swings his trunk, striking Dexter's jaw and knocking him back. Mayaka is hit from behind by the baseball bat and everything goes dark. Mayaka wakes up, the hot sun shining in his eyes. He is lying in a large mud puddle. His eye is badly swollen and black. His head has an open gash about two inches long. Blood is running into his eye and down his trunk. His arm feels like it has been broken. Mayaka sits up and groans. He sees his satellite phone in the mud about four feet from him. He checks his pockets, and the money the Chinese man gave him is gone. He checks the hidden pocket on the inside of his coat and finds only one $5 bill. He blinks his eyes rapidly. He touches below his eye with one of his trunk fingers. Mayaka. Oh no, January! Mayaka begins searching the ground for something small. He spreads his flat hands in wide circles across the ground, hoping to feel something. Ava January, off screen. How may I help you? I've lost the contact lens. I, I can hear you, but I can't see you. Ava contact lenses have replacements available. Would you like me to place an order for a replacement? No, 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 no. Okay, please let me know if I can help you with anything else. Mayaka stands up and drops his head, thinking for a minute and regaining his composure. He picks up his now wet and muddy hat, shakes the mud off it as best he can, and slaps it onto his head. Muddy water from the hat runs down his forehead. He takes a couple steps and picks up his phone and brushes it off. The screen is badly cracked, but the phone appears to be working. Mayaka half walks, half stumbles to the bar across the street. Please continue listening to Manimals, Episode 1, Part 4. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this audiobook please consider leaving an honest review, subscribe and share this program with others. Remember to visit the episode show notes and website, www.melsmanimals.com, for more information on the story, characters, upcoming episodes and about the author.